Now it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. Double drill deep to left field. Going back choice. Looking up. See ya. 3,000. History with an exclamation point. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Jason Giambi has done it! What is up? This is episode 7, and Tommy Caroselli alongside Real 7 Costanza. 7, uh, pretty good week of baseball. What's going on, man? Yeah, very good week, especially for uh, the New York Yankees, 9-1 and one, um, in their last 10, so... That was awesome to see, taking down teams like the Rays. And... Guys lit up Blake Snell like a Christmas tree. Yep, that was awesome. He uh, Actually, I didn't realize that he was pitching the opener role that game. Um, but, yeah, they chased him <laughs> after uh, two outs, I think. Unintentional opener. <laughs> yeah, the unintentional <laughs> opener. So, uh, very smart by Kevin Cash to really mix it up on him. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm feeling great right now. It's... Uh, a good night for baseball, even though a lot of teams are off, but good week ahead as well. Yeah, we had a good weekend of baseball. Uh, Indians got a nice little three-game sweep of the Tigers. You said your Yankees yeah. are playing well. Uh, it seems like, to me, it seems like the teams that are starting to play well, or that should be playing well are finally figuring it out, and the teams that, you know, maybe gave us flukes are starting to come back down to earth. Yeah, I think you're right there, too, uh, especially with the Indians. And you said it last week on your curtain call, so it's holding true right now. They're beating up on the teams they should beat up on, and uh, we'll see how that goes, but they look good right now. The pitching's been great. They're actually hitting. It's uh, you got to be happy about that one, Tommy. Oh, yeah, thrilled. Thrilled that we're <laughs> – I mean, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Ugh. But, yeah. This is uh this is gonna be interesting too, and I think it's funny at last pod that we were talking about the teams that needed it the most, Red Sox, and the Nationals. Uh, both of them actually had some pretty good stretches recently. The Red Sox are still in it. The Nationals are really climbing up that NL East right now, so that'll be something to monitor as we get towards the uh, the trade deadline, July thirty first. Definitely. So let's start with some of the biggest news, and this kind of broke yesterday. Uh, Mickey Calloway and Jason Vargas going i don't even know what to call it full heel full uh full freak out in the press room uh mickey calloway saying get out motherfucker to a reporter and then jason vargas coming to his manager's defense uh both have been fined by the mets to my knowledge no suspensions handed down um but boy what a wild scene in queens yeah, this is about as Mets as it can get right now, <laughs> to be honest. I love it. I Honestly, I'm so glad that we have something to talk about with them every fucking week. It's so great. It's like they're scripted for this shit. Um, but it's funny to me. I was reading the story just looking for what might have transpired, and it sounds like the reporter, like, honest to God, I'm sure he was trying to just get under his skin a little bit, as reporters typically do. But it, 
it sounds like he was just saying, I'll see you tomorrow, as in, like, I'll see you after the game tomorrow as well, because that's my fucking job. And uh, Callaway said, don't be a smartass. And Vargas, like, got up and just started, like, walking towards him. Like, you want to go, bro? And <laughs> for all intents, as they said, Cano had to hold Vargas back. It was a scene in the clubhouse. Uh, you mentioned it. There was fines given down, no suspensions. And in true typical Mets fashion, I doubt there's going to be suspensions at this point uh, handed down from the team. And But, yeah, this is just as Mets as it gets. You know, you and me were talking during the week that uh, you said it was your dad kind of made a joke that we that we pick on the Mets. Yep. And then, like, so I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know what, maybe we lay off. And then they do this shit. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's not our fault that the Mets are just a circus right now. So if they keep giving headlines like this, we're going to have to talk about it, and it just seems to be week in, week out, whether it's uh, Todd Frazier mixing it up with Adam Eaton when they play the Nationals, or it's Mickey Calloway and Jason Vargas trying to pit, pick fights with beat writers. So uh, this is perfect for us. It gives us more material to work with and why we hate the Mets. And we can just lean into this fuck the Mets shtick that we've been on. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they're not doing themselves any favors right now. So please continue to act like a complete bunch of idiots over in Queens because we will talk about it. So when a lot of the media, at least in Cleveland, is covering it as... Is Mickey Callaway almost trying to get himself fired? Like, where do where are you seeing this? <laughs> I saw that. I can't imagine that's what's happening, unless it's I like a grand I can't, game. I can't wrap my head around it. No, I mean, as much as the team sucks, and I, I do, I truly do believe at this point now that Mickey Callaway should not be a manager of, of any ball club. Um, but unless there's like a grand conspiracy where they have like a uh, I guess even discussions that if he were to get fired, he could jump back over to the Indians and be the pitching coach or, so, or something like the, along those lines where there's something better for him as a person, like waiting in the wings. But I can't imagine someone is trying to get fired from a yeah. managerial spot in the, in the MLB. It's just, they're, the jobs are too coveted. He, for all intents and purposes, it sounds like he was just, I guess, upset and he has every reason to be upset because they just can't seem to close out games, but I can't buy that he's trying to lose his job. Yeah, and, and and even that, like, as a person, you do so much damage to your personal reputation and your family's reputation if you go out and get yourself fired. I, I honestly, I think that's that's just the media trying to be the media. Yeah, exactly. I, I can't see that Mickey Callaway wants to get fired, especially with a New York job. It's just going to get blown out of proportion regardless. So I think he's still adjusting to that New York media, though. That's that's for damn sure if he's yeah. picking fights with them already. So so sticking with beefs, um, <laughs> Red Sox and Blue Jays this weekend, and, and one of my favorite guys to pick on, Marcus Stroman on the bump, and he actually threw very, very well. I think he went uh, seven shutout innings, if I'm if I'm remembering it correctly off the top of my head. Yep. Um, and, and he ju- he was just shoving against the Red Sox, and he let all of Boston know about it. He was screaming at the dugout. Uh, he made a couple really nice plays uh, defensively. And yeah. Dennis Eckersley, who is apparently part of the Red Sox broadcast, just goes off on him saying, it's tired, you got to be better than that. Uh, and I, I, if I can find, if I can get the rights to the audio, I'll plug it in right here. Um, but boy, just unbelievable out of Eckersley and Stroman. What was your take on this? 
it's just so hypocritical for a guy like Eckersley because if you reel back any of his footage from when he was playing, it was the same, if not worse, than what Strowman's doing. Because for one thing, I and I, I, Phil Hughes actually tweeted this out too in reference to this, but if you're part of that sensation and the craze of bat flips and rooting for players to show more emotion, when a pitcher does it, you can't have it both. Like you have to respect both positions. And for Strowman, he's always been this type of guy. He's he wears his emotions on his sleeve, and we've seen it time and time again since he's been in, in the major leagues. This isn't anything new for him. He's very eccentric as it is. So for Eckersley, all of a sudden, to just kind of say that is just kind of out of left field because it, it makes no sense for the timing. It was just, yeah, and, and I guess because Eckersley is a, a huge homer for the Red Sox, so we probably saw his team struggling, and maybe he just got frustrated. But um, for all intents and purposes, what he was saying doesn't apply to that specific scenario because this is something that Strowman's been doing his whole career. So I don't understand the timing of why he would say it. If you have an issue, you can say it. But at the same time, Eckersley has to realize he was the same type of player when he was playing. And there's a bunch of footage that will prove that point. Yeah, and and I've made it known, it's no secret, that I have not <laughs> been a fan of Marcus Strowman. Really? Um, I think he's softer <laughs> than fucking baby shit. But... I'm starting to change my tone with it. Is the is this the monumental shift in tone for you? Um, it's not a shift. So I'm fine with the way he carries himself. I actually am. Like, dude, if you want to strut around the mound and you like you want to yell at the at the Red Sox dugout after you K him up when you got seven shutouts and you're just shoving it down their throat. And like that dude from Louisville who was yelling at the kid from Vanderbilt in the College World Series. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it goes back to the to the bat flip conversation that you and I had a couple weeks ago. That like if you're gonna play the game high intensity and that's who you are, you know what? Be you. The right. problem that I have with Strowman is when, and it's a problem that I have with my own Indians player in Trevor Bauer, is when people start to come at you for that, don't duck it and just hit the block button. You know, like I can't even think of a, of a good analogy for that, but you just don't immediately just go block, 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 block. Like, right. Like when 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 it hits the fan, dude, stand your ground. And, and Strowman's quick with the block button. Bauer's quick with the block button. And it's just like, dude, if that's who you are, and you're gonna be that emotional dude, be that emotional dude. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, I, and that's a good point too because it's you're right because Strowman, for all intents and purposes, when he does this shit. And we see it time and time again where he just, like, stares down the, the batter, screams in the dugout for the opposing team. Um, but he can't take a little criticism on Twitter, to your point, because uh, I, I know you're blocked by him. So <laughs> it's Yeah, like... and, and, and I, I, I wish you could see other people's block lists, but I would bet every dollar, every penny in my bank that Stroman went and blocked Eck on Twitter after this one. Oh, 100%. I think it's also just one of the... It's so passive-aggressive, and it's just kind of like, dude, like you're right, just own it. Uh, he's retweeting everyone that's tweeting at him, like, in his corner, saying, like, oh, Eckersley is such a... He's such a douchebag, and, like, all, like, dude, stop. Like, just take it and say he was wrong and move on. Like, this is the shit that drives me nuts when players do this. Like, to your point, just take it, stand your ground. There's no reason to, like, cause a stir about it. What he said was wrong, move on. And just pitch your game and be who you are. It's not a huge deal. 
but because I think because to your point, Strowman is a mental midget, so he's going to keep this one going for a little while. I feel like. Yep. But, and, and that's just the way it is with social media too. It just doesn't help with some of these guys. And, and to your point, Bauer, I follow Bauer on Twitter, and like some of the shit he posts is obnoxious. But, um, and he just like he doxes fans and everyone that comes after him, and like puts their profile on public display. It's like, dude, th- there's no need for that. If you have an issue, just you know. Don't don't respond. You don't have to block everyone. You don't have to put it out for the public to see who's like giving you a hard time either. Bauer will do it preemptively too. Like I don't know right. if you saw. He tweeted the other day, like, "Oh, I went to the grocery store and look at all these lemons I got for blah 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 blah." And it's, like, there was a two dude saying he wants to squirt lemon juice every in his eye every time that Bauer pitches. <laughs> he like he like screenshots and like just Jesus. he comes he comes at dudes and it's just like, dude, chill out. You're making millions of dollars. If you want to be emotional on the mound, go ahead, but don't. Don't drag people. Yeah, the other thing about that, too, is if I'm the manager, if I'm the GM of those teams, and I see my players doing that and interacting with fans in that type of a way, like, I'm kind of pissed, too. Like, you should be focused on the game, especially if you're the Indians right now. Yeah, like, exactly. you, have, you have a shot to, like, climb back into this thing. Like, no need for Trevor Bauer to worry about who's mocking him for flying his drones and who wants to squirt lemons in his eyes. Exactly. <laughs> hey, you know what? Make lemonade, Trevor. This fucking stop exactly yeah uh we'll get back to toronto in a minute but staying with some pretty uh major news in in major league baseball jordan hicks with a ucl injury gone for an unforeseeable time uh boy what kind of effect do you think this has on the st louis cardinals right now i think this is big but i don't think it's as big as a lot of people think it is and the reason I say that is because they have guys in that bullpen that have really started to step up and round into form. Uh, Andrew Miller's a big one. He's he's really just kind of like they're, you know, they break glass when they need him to come in and just kind of put a fire out. Um, and that's what he's been able to do his last few appearances. He's looking to get back on track. Uh, Gant is another one in the bullpen there who's been just lights out. And he's been great. And I don't think anyone really expected him to do what he's doing. He's, I, I believe he has a sub-2 ERA still. Um, but for him to be doing that in that bullpen right now as a stabilizing force, even before the Hicks injury, uh, so they can definitely rely on him. There's other guys. Uh, Martinez uh, used to be a starter. He's pitching in the bullpen right now. So there's plenty of mouths to feed in that bullpen, so to speak. It's just I think it's an interesting development just because we don't know who's going to step up. If and I think this is why it gets a little serious if you're a Cardinals fan because it's been proven more often than not that you can't get by with like this closer by committee. You need that guy that you can rely on to come in with that defined role to lock down a game in the ninth when you need it. And I'm not sure they have that person in the bullpen with the makeup to do it right now. And I know everyone's going to point to Andrew Miller and say, oh, well, he did it with the Yankees and the Indians. Like, well, yeah, he did for a time, but he's really kind of evolved into this uh, just situational pitcher now where he comes in to get big outs, whether it's the sixth inning or the ninth or the eighth. Or it's, it's, he's really just an emergency guy that they bring in. So I'm if I'm a Cardinals fan, I'm concerned just thinking, like, who's going to step in and who can actually deliver in that role? I'm not worried in the sense that they have enough guys to put up for that position to do it. It's just going to see, you know, the execution is what I, I guess I'd be a little bit concerned about. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um you know, the Cardinals releasing this statement uh, today, the St. Louis, well, Monday, the St. Louis Cardinals learned today following an MRI examination of Jordan Hicks' right elbow, the reliever has a torn UCL, teams determining next course of action. 
uh, at this point in the year, relievers, the second-year reliever is 2-2 two and two with a 3-1-4 ERA and has 14 saves and 29 appearances. Um, boy, like, like you said, with Andrew Miller, the Indians used the term super reliever for him yep. um, when he was here. And you, like you said, no real defined guy to step up. I'll be interested to see how that bullpen, how that team as a whole responds. Yeah, and the only thing I can point to for the Miller thing, because I'm, I'm sure they're going to give him the first crack if I were to be a betting man. Um, and, and the only thing to fall back on with that is the Yankees used him when they were dealing with Chapman and his suspension, um, and he did a great job for them. And he closed before that. And it's similar to what the Brewers are doing with Hader this year as well, because Hader's in that similar role where he's like their super reliever, and he can give them multiple innings or come in in any situation. But he's been their closer this year. So it can be done. I'm just interested to see if they want to do that, because he's so valuable to that bullpen and the role he's in right now. Do you try to find someone else like Gant or Martinez or or someone else that can step up and give you that, that one inning that you need? Or do you do that to Andrew Miller and before you know it, he is just worn out because he's pitching multiple innings to save games? I, I just don't know if that's the course of action you want to take right now. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, staying with St. Louis, we saw Albert Pujols make his return to St. Louis for the first time as an Angel. First of all, wild to think that the Angels haven't been back to St. Louis in that entire contract. I know, that's crazy. Second of all, uh, real cool moments throughout that whole series. Oh, yeah. And it was awesome, too, because if even it doesn't matter what fan you are or of what team. If you're a fan of baseball, that was awesome. Just seeing Pujols go back to where it all began. And he's such a class act. And the St. Louis crowd was so good, too. It was just a great moment for everyone. And for him to just, you know, soak it all in. He was with his old teammates. Uh, the hug between him and Molina was great. That was amazing. It, it, it really does just kind of act. Because for, especially for us who, who got to watch Pujols, you know, as we grew be up Pujols. with him. Seeing, uh, be Pujols, yeah. Because we haven't really seen it in, in Los Angeles, right? Yeah. When I think of Albert Pujols, I still think of St. Louis. And I think I always will, too. Agreed. So... I, I'm glad that he was able to get that uh, that homecoming, and I'm glad that the reception was what we thought it was going to be and we hoped it would be. Um, so let me ask you this. Just immediate reaction when you saw him hit the home run and then the away fans give a standing O and, and a curtain call, <laughs> what are your thoughts on oh, that? That was perfect, and it goes back to agree. just the reception overall, right? It could be, yeah. It, like there, it doesn't matter if it impacts the score for whatever. It's just, you know, you want to see that if you're a Pujols fan. If you're a Cardinals fan, this is the guy that got you your rings uh, for all, like, for everything that went on. Like, he's the re- he put the team on his back, um, especially in that game seven. So, to see him hit a home run, if he's wearing a different uniform, you still love it. It's still your guy. It's it's almost like I think about it in the, in the sense that if Jeter ever had left the Yankees and came back, I'd still root for the guy. It's and I'm glad he never did, but um, that's the closest I can get to is just from like a fan perspective because that's yeah. what I feel like Pujols means to that city is to what Jeter meant to me 
in my like growing up and seeing that from like a perspective of just a fan of baseball and he really got me into the sport so i can't imagine what it's like for you if you're living in st louis and you see this guy go away and then he comes back and he does that so that's got to be just the cherry on top to that to the angels coming to town agreed i saw a lot of people um say like oh i'd never give an opposing player a standing ovation well all right well you're just not a baseball fan yeah, Plain and simple. it's okay to separate. It's okay to separate it from like because sometimes emotion overtakes it, and you know what? If, if it's a playoff a like game, that, if it's a playoff game, and he does that's that, different. Different. It, yeah. That's a mean. This is essentially a meaningless game in June. Exactly. I'm cool with giving and, him a, a standing O. Yeah, absolutely. If it's Game Seven of the World Series, and like clearly, I'm not rooting for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sometimes you got to be able to separate emotion and just look at it in the sense of, all right, this is a cool moment. Let's you know embrace it for what it is because it's not going to happen again. Because I, I, unless Pujols can find the fountain of youth, I don't think he's not coming back to St. Louis again. So no. unless they meet each other in the World Series, which I also don't think is going to happen. So uh, I hope everyone enjoyed it for what it was because that's probably going to be the last type of reunion we see like that for a while. Yeah, and un- unless, um, like, maybe next year or towards the end of Pujols' contract, the Angels give, like, a pity trade back to St. Louis. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Although we don't really see that too often no, anymore. With, no, I don't think so we'd ever see it. It's so now. Yeah. Yeah. But so, I understand what you're saying. So we talked about how, how amazing of a career uh, Albert Pujols has. Just real quick, I want to see if you can guess this. I'm just going to read across his, his uh, baseball reference page, and I want you to, to guess – which of these statistical categories he is the all-time leader in, okay? Okay. Runs, hits, doubles, triples, homers, RBI, steals, caught steals, walks, strikeouts, batting average, on base, slugging, OPS, total bases, grounded into double plays, hit by pitch, sack hits, sack flies, intentional walks. So I know it's not intentional walks. I think that's Bonds. Yep. It's not home Um, runs. Not home runs. RBI? Nope. Hmm. Runs? Nope. Doubles. Grounded into double play. Oh! <laughs> Albert Pujols. That's what you, oh, my God. That's where you're leading me to the, how slow it fucking was? <laughs> no, like, I, I, I literally I brought up the page, and, I, you know, on Baseball Reference, it's got the goal that for an all-time leader at the bottom. And I was like, oh, he's, he's, only, he's leading all-time in something? And it just drew my eye. I was like, grounded into double plays. He's grounded in his 19-year career. He is grounded into 386 double plays. Jesus Christ! I knew he was slow, but I didn't think like that was going to be his his league leading. <laughs> like, that he's the career leader in that. Jesus Christ! Ugh. All right, we we kind of jokingly said we'll get back to Toronto. Can we talk about how much of a family affair the Toronto Blue Jays organization <laughs> oh my is? God. It's funny because when I was looking at the I was looking at the depth chart because uh, we were talking about it over the week and just about in our opinion like the worst teams in the majors right now and the Blue Jays came up um, from Jordan and I looked into it more and it is like the all nepotism team it's fucking you have Kevin uh, Biggio uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. who everyone knows about Bo Bichette in the minors right now um i'm definitely missing someone oh uh, there's more we talked about yeah guriel um his brother's on the astros of course 
there's definitely more, but like just those four right away. Oh, and they have, uh, I believe they have Lighter's Kid. I, I want to say they have uh, Lighter's Kid, too. Yeah, I think so. I can't yeah, remember Yeah, let me double check that. But, like, it's funny because we're talking about, you know, uh, just, like, lineage in Major League Baseball, and all these guys just seem to go back to the Blue Jays. I know. And it's not like the Blue Jays are lighting the world on fire. They're four, Right now they sit 29 and 49. Uh, a, a cool 20 and a half games out of first in the East. They're playing your Yankees right now and they're trailing. If I'm, if I'm, uh, if they still are, I was looking at it. Yep. 10 to, um, <laughs> let's, uh, maybe branch outside the family tree. eh? It really is just, it's astounding when you think about it because this team is like, they're so bad too. And it's, the other thing is Guriel is a natural second baseman and they moved him to left without any prior experience in the outfield for all intents and purposes. He's holding his own right now. Uh, he's doing fine, but like for uh, coaching staff and player development to say, ah, well we got Biggio's son coming up and he's a second baseman. So we'll move whoever <laughs> we need. Like they're just trying to complete that nepotism feel on that team in the major league level. And it's not working either. This team is so bad. They have no pitching. We mentioned Stroman. He's like the one bright spot. Aaron Sanchez has had more finger injuries than I can count on my own fingers. So On your healthy fingers. On my healthy fingers, yeah. Aaron Sanchez can't grip a two-seamer and can't please a woman. Um, so there's that. Yep. And he, I think he's, he pitched tonight. He got shelled. But um, there's... There's so many more problems with this team than just their player development because it sounds like they don't really know how to scout either. I think their calling card right now, if I were to sit in the war room at the draft, is did his daddy play in the MLB? All right, let's grab him. <laughs> Doesn't matter. We're trading. We're doing it. We want him. Um, but that seems to be how it's like structured, and it's like kind of pitiful when you think about it. Um, it's just it's terrible. Their GM famously known for gutting the team that made it to the ALCS the prior year. And now they're in like this tailspin, but unlike teams that seem to be building towards something like the Marlins or uh, the Royals or the White Sox, we're looking at this team. They're just, they're just bad. They, there's nothing going for them. And it seems like every year they're just trading and trading. And I'm not sure what they're trading for because it seems like they just keep getting people who's, whose family has or is <laughs> having ties. an influence in the, yeah, family ties just seems to rule everything around Toronto right now. Uh, so uh, you mentioned the the GM. When the Indians uh, signed Edwin Encarnacion, obviously uh, part of that gutted team, um, I, I was kind of scrolling through Twitter and I saw a bunch of Blue Jays fans in there like, Oh, Mark Shapiro was with the Indians, and now he's letting letting the Indians gut the Blue Jays and letting them get our stars. And it's like, shut up. <laughs> no, it's just like the, the Blue Jays are just a really poorly managed team from the front office down. There's, uh, I'm looking at their team right now. Uh, the, everyone has injuries, so we'll, I'm never going to blame injuries on the Blue Jays being bad because they're just a bad product. But, I mean, really? Like... <laughs> When you look at the standings, they're just above the Orioles right now in fourth place. Brutal. Like, when you think about it, so the Orioles are 22-56 and 56 at the time of this recording. 
the Blue Jays are 29 and 49, most likely going to be 29 and 50 after tonight, being down eight runs in the sixth. But um, their run differential too. Wait, let me just get the number right here. My computer is loading a little slow. But while, while you're getting that, I, it's funny because because we talked about the the Orioles as as the absolute punching bag, right? And, and you know the Jays are only. I mean, they're seven seven uh, above them in the win column, but I mean that's spitting distance with how bad these two teams have been playing. Yeah, so I got the numbers right here. So the Orioles run differentials minus one eighty one, which is abysmal beyond belief. The the Blue Jays are minus eighty five. Um, that like that's not good. They've only scored three hundred and eighteen runs on the year. That's five more than the Orioles. So when we think about like what the Blue Jays are building towards, there's yeah. really not much here. And, and if we're to do like a quick, like brief power rankings on rebuilding teams, I think right now I would rank the Blue Jays last, just in terms of what they're actually like. What the, I, I don't know what their identity is. What about is. Detroit? And oh, well, Detroit's a, a tricky one for me because they have some really good pitching prospects, mm, and okay. I think we'll see Kate, we'll see Mize uh, next year, and. I think they have something in their farm system that they can latch on to. I can't say the same thing about the Blue Jays. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can get on, I can get on base with that. Like when I look at them versus a team like uh, Seattle, like right, C- Seattle started out gangbusters and they've definitely reverted back to what they are. But at least Seattle is like they're making trades for the right purposes to unload contracts. They have a pretty decent farm system. They're getting better and stronger in that situation. But like the Blue Jays are. I don't know. Like it comes down to just identity for me, and whether you want to put the identity on family ties in Toronto, then that, for all <laughs> intents and purposes, that's that's what we're looking at right now. That's, I, I want to say that's the common time. theme we're seeing right now. Yeah, I can't see any other common theme that like is out there. Like Miami has really good starting pitching that's coming up right now that we're seeing recently. Uh, Kansas City, at least, like they've done it before. You know, um, they they've turned around a team. I, I don't know what to, to make about the Blue Jays, though. And until yeah. I see, like, some more concrete results on what they're actually doing during this trade deadline, because I feel like if you're trading Strowman, because he, he's going to get traded, that's what we keep hearing. Uh, if you trade him, though, like, what are you getting in return? Like, how are you going to supplant that with more prospects? Or how are they, how like, what are, we, what are the fruits of that that we're going to see that they needed so bad to unload their best player? Yeah, that's true. Hmm. I don't. I don't know. When you look at value, I don't know what he could, exactly he could give you. I mean, I feel like you might be able to get a couple prospects for you, but I don't think you could take Marcus Stroman and say, "Yeah, give me your best prospect right now." You know what no, I mean? it won't work like that. Yeah, it's because we're not trading Cy Young. You're trading Marcus Stroman. Yeah, and it's he's the best player they have, and he's having uh, a decent and, year, a good enough year. Yeah, but it's to your point, he's not going to net, you know, fucking King's Ransom. It's not like they're trading Scherzer here. So. Yeah. And they don't have someone like that to trade. So I wonder why they're just, like, in this perpetual, like, sell mode. Wouldn't you want to just see, like, keep a team together for long enough to have them play together long enough and then maybe build some type of a chemistry up? If I'm a GM, maybe that's what I'd try to do instead of just gutting everything every year. But I was going to say ideally, uh, but but the Blue Jays are, are more interested in getting Cousin Steve in a Blue Jays uniform. Yeah. So. <laughs> Oh, well, his pappy, yeah, he played in double-A, <laughs> so we're going to need him to come over to the Blue Jays now. Oh, you can take Marcus Stroman, though. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. 
So trade deadline, you mentioned it. Um, teams starting to hit the panic button. Give me one team right now that is on the verge of a panic button. So I have one right now that is, in case of emergency, break glass and hit that red button. It's got to be the Philadelphia Phillies right now. Um, I'm hitting the panic button in full force. They are 39-38 and 38 at, at the time right now. 1-9 in their last 10. That is the worst in the majors tied with Baltimore in the last 10 games. They are 1-9. They just got swept by the Marlins. Um, Sportsline projects their outlook at this time right now. 80-82 and 82 to finish the season. With a 15.4% chance, chance of making the postseason in general. So that's looking at everything from the division, which they were leading for a while, to all the way down to that second wild card. And the NL is so putrid compared to the AL, just in terms of level of play. I, I don't want to say competition because it feels like every team is in it. Even our favorite punching bag, the Mets, are actually only three games out. So it just goes to show you how much of a collapse this Phillies team is going through right now. And it's very reminiscent of another Phillies team, or not a Phillies, but a Philadelphia team from 2011, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles when Vince Young proclaimed them the dream team. This has <laughs> the exact same feel to this. It's almost like, it's amazing how stupid the city seems to get with free agents. Um, I'm, I don't, I don't want to sugarcoat it because I'm sure, like, I'm sure that will endear the always level-headed Philadelphia listeners. <laughs> right. They seem to take everything uh, in stride too. So whatever, but yeah, I can't like they traded for real Muto. They have no prospects left either, so we got to keep that into account. So they traded for Real Muto. Uh, they traded for Segura. They signed Bryce Harper to that mega deal. They didn't sign any pitchers, which is surprising. Baffling, Baffling right. Uh, the only pitcher they signed, I believe, in free agency that they gave a notable deal to is David Robertson. He's out indefinitely right now. But that and they just traded for Jay Bruce. It's like they're taking all these former stars... And they're putting them together, hoping that it will work. But it's not a fucking video game. Like these, yeah. they're humans. They have to learn how to play together. Baseball is the longest season of any sport. You can't expect this to happen overnight. And especially in baseball, like the free agency, when you're just shelling out bad contracts left and right, you have to be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so for me. If you would have asked me this last week when we were recording, we talked about how we talked about it as a franchise shifting week, and right. and the Nationals responded. Um, so yeah. I I was gonna have the Nationals, and then you know the the day we released the pod, Max Scherzer goes out and and <laughs> shatters his nose, and then goes out the next day and absolutely shoves it down their throat. Um, so I like the Nationals. I I'm not. I'm not hitting the panic button yet. At the time of recording, they sit at 37 and 40, three games out of that second wild card spot in the NL. Um, I don't think they're going to catch the Braves in the East, but I definitely think that the way they're playing right now, uh, they they have a lot of potential, and they don't need to to hit the panic button. They don't need to be sellers. If anything. They could be a low a low buyer, like try and get like a low risk, high reward deal. Um, I can right. see them doing that, like acquiring a veteran on his last uh, on the last year of his contract. I think Rendon's gonna stay a national 
Uh, yep. I don't think they're going to deal him now that they, they have uh, this spot they're in right now. So I think the Nationals, uh, they are flirting with the panic button, but I don't think they hit it. Yeah, I I was ready to hit the panic button last week when we recorded, but they went on a little bit of a tear uh, in the last 10 days. So they're, I believe they actually have one of the better records in the last 10 days. Let me just get the six, exact number Six here. and four in their last 10, but they've, they've dropped two in a row, so... You take okay. away those two in a row, and it was a pretty good stretch. Yeah, but unlike Philly, it's funny that the Nationals have a plus six run differential. Philly has a minus eight. Yeah. So, and that's the whole thing. I think with that projection from Sportsline, when you think about just where teams are going to end up, if a team scores runs more than they give up runs, obviously they're in a better position to win games. And I think we're starting to see that with the Nationals. It's funny because they still have a lot of holes on that team. But when I look at them versus Philadelphia, if I were to match those teams up in, say, a five-game series, I would give the edge to the Nationals just from their starting pitching alone. Hmm. I, I don't disagree. And especially if Bryce Harper still can't hit a curveball. So, yeah. Um, that's that's what I'm looking at. And if Max Scherzer can keep pitching, uh, if he, I don't, it doesn't matter if this guy breaks every bone in his face. He seems, he'll go out and pitch. But that picture of him with the black eye, he looked like he just got out of a fucking, like... He's already intimidating enough with the two different colored eyes. <laughs> yeah. And he then you go out a... and add a, a full hockey player face to him. Yeah, he was scary looking, man. Mad Max. He had one black eye, one brown eye, one blue eye. Yeah. <laughs> he looked out of his mind. Three-eyed monster. Yeah, he looked Yeah, he looked like he came out of a fucking bar fight, and he just was ready to deal. I mean, but... I, he did, and he lost to a baseball. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Let's talk about that, in- that injury for a second. <laughs> I mean, Carabas said it on starting nine. This is the best case we've seen for the universal DH in quite some time. But yeah. it's just a pitcher fucking around, not taking it seriously, and not taking a bunting drill seriously, and then he pops himself in the face. And that just... <laughs> I mean, thank God he came out and pitched the next day, or else baseball would have just got the weakest look in the world. Well, that's the thing too. Like we make we make it seem like Max Scherzer was you know heroic and in, in doing what he did, but it's his fucking fault that he was yep. in that position. Um, the video of him too, like because they showed the extended clip of before it hit him. Like he was to your point, he was just fucking around, like squaring up, but he like he wasn't really trying to bunt right. And, of course, it just fouls right off and hits him in the face. But, um, yeah, he had to pitch that game because if not, it's like, dude, you, really? Like, this is your yeah. fault. You put us in this position. You're pitching this fucking game. <laughs> We're trying to fight back in the division. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm glad he was able to pitch because you're right. It would have been the softest excuse not to because it's not like it affected his ability to throw baseball. Yeah, agreed. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Scherzer, Scherzer is a stud. He's having a heck of a year, and we're gonna get. I'm gonna. I'm gonna touch on him in our call of the pen this week. Um, but first, I want to know if you're like me and you're tired of playing season long fantasy, and you're being married to injuries after the first month. You know, you stop checking the app. Uh, guys offer you dumb trades. Like, hey, let me get uh, uh, somebody that doesn't even play. Let me get Max Scherzer for Roberto Perez. Actually, that's that's cool, right? <laughs> no, that's bullshit. So be sure to check out Thrive Fantasy. It's a brand new prop bet based daily fantasy game and the concept's simple you choose an over or under for a player's given statistics so you want to think like chris sale earned runs max scherzer broken bones um 
Roberto Perez runs plus RBIs. You pick an over or under, and you got to combine one of the highest scoring lineups for that night. And if you do, you cash in. So Thrive Fantasy is located in the in the Apple and Google Play Store. And for June, you got one week left on this, guys. So you receive a free $10 match when you deposit $10 through PayPal. So whether you're looking to play $2 games or $100 games, Thrive Fantasy has a match for you. So be sure to use our code BREAKDOWN. That's B-R-K-D-W-N. And receive $10 free when you deposit 10 through PayPal. That's B-R-K-D-W-N. Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with us. That brings us to our batter's box, our call to the pen. I'm going to start off with call to the pen, actually. So I want to talk about Max Scherzer. And he has been... We talked about the broken nose right before we got in with Jordan. This dude has been lights out since in the last month or so in the last month so since may 22nd six starts a four and two or the team's been four and two in those games he's gone four and oh in his decisions he's pitched 41 innings four earned runs over that over that uh stretch 59 k's eight walks that equals out to a 0.88 era Batting average against is 179. This dude has been shoving with half of a nose. I mean, Scherzer, <laughs> unbelievable over the over the last uh, last month. And if you he's won his last four or last four starts. Those those first two were no decisions, but six innings, no runs. Six innings, one run. Eight innings, one run. Seven innings, no run. Seven innings, two runs. Seven innings, no runs. Mad Max shoving over the last month. Yeah, uh, this is pretty much par for the course if you are looking at the just the body of work this guy has for his career, though. Uh, I, he's a perennial Cy Young candidate, so this isn't anything out of the ordinary. It's just the numbers in this stretch that you just mentioned. This is like god numbers right uh, uh minus one era 0.88 four and oh pitching with that broken nose that was his fault to begin with <laughs> um but <laughs> this guy is just he is locked down as they come uh he see he's very similar to justin verlander in the sense that he seems to get better with age uh he just seems to be able to deploy whatever he needs to for a game plan and execute it uh, at a moment's notice I don't think it's it's awesome too for baseball between him and Verlander right now. Who would you take right now to pitch a game seven? Game seven, I, I gotta go Mad Max. Really, I'm yeah. going Verlander. Real okay. I'll, well, I'll I'm going see. Verlander just because he's been there before in see, terms of the postseason. I'm going Mad Max in the sense that if that dude gets in a, a must-win ball game. I feel like he's going to be hyped through the roof and just shove it down your throat and hit career high in miles per hour. And I think he's going to be, I, I, I mean, we, we've seen him in the postseason, but have we seen him in like a must win game seven? I don't know if we have actually. Yeah, we did. Um, two years ago, ALCS against the Yankees game seven. He oh, was yeah. the stopper. Yeah. He got up to the world series as much as I hate to remember that. Um, but yeah, so we have seen him do it. Yeah, so, so that's 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 the only reason I'm taking him though. Just I think he has more of the postseason pedigree, um, more so than Mad Max. I'll, I'll I'll get on board with that. See, I sway you every time I argue. <laughs> see, I, I'm saying I can I can see your your line of, of reason. I'm still taking Mad Max though. 
All right. <laughs> All right. What do you got for the batter's box this week? So for the batter's box, I'm going to go out to the dry desert of Arizona. Ketel uh, Marte, Kettle Marte, Kettle 1. Take a shot at Kettle 1 for me. Uh, last 15 days, this guy has been absolutely on fire. Uh, 51 at-bats. He has a 510 batting average. 546 on base, 940 OPS. Um, three walks, only four Ks. So that tells me that he's swinging at the right pitches and he's making them count. He scored 13 runs in those 51 at-bats. Six home runs, only seven RBIs. So that just tells you how bad that offense is around him. Um, but the guy is just unconscious right now. He came up a little bit lame on that groin injury a couple nights ago. But I think it's going to be okay. I'm really rooting for this guy. I think he should be starting at second for the all-star team in the National League. And it's even more interesting and just amazing to me is that he's doing this playing two positions this year. He's played second, and he's played center field, and he's been doing absolutely amazing at both, and he continues to hit. So it's not throwing him off his offensive game. He reminds me a little bit like D. Gordon, if D. Gordon was able to get that transition right, hmm. because they, they profile similar to me in the regard that they're speedy guys, although... Marte has 20 home runs, 20 big bombs from this little guy. I'm loving everything I'm seeing from him, and it's crazy to think that he made his way to Arizona for a pretty, like, I, I, I can't even remember the trade, but it yeah. must not have been that. Uh, like, I'll look he was up. a throw-in. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I, I, I like Cattell Marte, and he's been he's been killing it, like, like you mentioned. Um, I feel like I can't remember – I'm, lo- I'm like I said. I'm looking to see what the trade was right now. Yeah. Um, but I feel like whenever uh, that trade was made, so yeah, here traded by the Seattle Mariners with Taiwan Walker to the Diamondbacks for Zach Curtis, Mitch Haniger, and Gene Segura. Yeah. So I think Walker was actually the the headliner there. Yeah. That because because he was always he I, and I don't know what happened to him. I think he's hurt right now, but he is another one that's really never panned out. So yeah, he is on the DL right now. Yeah, sorry, the I.L. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. Thank <laughs> yeah. You. But I, I, Marte is, Seattle has made some of these dumb trades, uh, when you think about it, just like yeah. they had something there and they just, they didn't need to trade him, but um, I was saying, I'm glad that, that Marte, oh no, I'm sorry, go ahead. When that trade was made, it, it seemed like resoundingly, oh, the Mariners won that trade, they got Hanniger and Gene Gene, the hit machine, um, but now, <laughs> the way that uh, Marte's playing, you could maybe argue that he ended up being the best player in that deal. Yeah, I think you'd have to argue that, especially with a year like this. I mean, th- this is a breakout season. By no stretch of the imagination is this like more than anyone expected out of him. Um, but for him to be doing this, and like that team, and we talked about the NL with the competition being so close this year, Arizona's still in it, and he has to be the biggest reason why. Absolutely. He, he, he seems to be the most consistent guy they have. They run out on the field every night. You can expect him to do something. I mean, as evidenced by this small sample, it's only 15 days, albeit small, but to hit over 500 at any level is impressive. I don't I care. Saying, you, take, you take five days, and you're hitting over 500. Right. Like, like to get, And he's hitting over 500, so to get more than half of your hits fall – that's just amazing. And to him score all those runs too, 13 runs in 15 days, 
that's almost a run per day. That's giving your team a shot to win every time. Absolutely. This is a guy right now that you can't take lightly, and I really do hope that we see him start the game for the National League. Again, the fans probably will fuck it up, but I would (laughs) hope that (laughs) I would hope that we see Marte get rewarded for this type of season. Ideally, ideally. Uh, All right, so uh, that brings us to our curtain calls. Uh, Do you want to lead off? You want me to take it? I'll leave this one off. Go for it. So we talked about the panic button earlier. Um, I am keeping my hand on the panic button if I'm in Philly. I think Washington is actually now, this is a total reversal from my curtain call last week, so I'm <laughs> buying into the Nationals now. But I think Washington will end up in second place in the NL East. I do not think they're a postseason team just yet. I need to see more. But I think they will overtake the Phillies. And I think the fallout from that is Gabe Kapler is going to lose his job. Really? So there will be two there will be two managers by the end of this year who are not going to have a job, and that's Gabe Kapler and Mickey Callaway. That's just in the NL East. That's not even counting, you know, if Baltimore fires their manager or if Kansas City or any of these other last place teams. That's just two jobs in the NL East. I like that. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to go Blake Snell was a one-hit wonder. Wow. Four times this year in 15 starts, he hasn't made it out of the fourth. In a fifth time, he he didn't make it out of the fifth. Uh, twice, he has only gone three innings plus. The other two times, he went three and a third, and then the, then the absolute bludgeoning that he took from the Yankees this past week. Uh, over the last month, he only has he has five starts, 20 innings pitched, an ERA of 8-10, Opponents are sl- or have an OPS of 871 against him. The BABIP is 386. Blake Snell, I mean, granted, it's a small sample size. For the year right now, he's got he's 4 and 6 with a 440 ERA, a 124 whip. I'm not and his stuff just I'm not sold on it right now. And he looked nasty last year. He looked like he could strike fear into any hitter. I feel like all of his breaking balls have, have just kind of flattened out. I feel like hitters are seeing the ball well against him, and I really, really wonder if it was a one-and-done one for Blake Snell last year. Yeah, those numbers aren't pretty, and I'm actually kind of buying that one with you too. And I wonder too, we make jokes about it with that shower injury, but I, I, I'm honestly, I didn't, I didn't I, even think I about want, that. I didn't think about that. I wonder if there was something more to that. Hmm. And It was a broken toe. It's got to disrupt your windup. Yeah. Uh, the, it doesn't matter if it's your plant or your dry foot. It's like, it has to disrupt it a little bit. So I wonder if there's more to that. And I also wonder if Tampa Bay is uh, banning him from moving furniture in his house anymore. <laughs> so that was April 16th. So his next start was the 24th after that. So if I can just go, nope, click. So since the 24th, since returning, he's 2-5. and five. With a five-five-one. Yeah, so hmm. it makes you wonder, like if if it didn't heal properly, or if he's still in pain for whatever reason. I just, I can't. That's the only tangible thing I can at least point to. Yeah, yeah. There, there's nothing else because before that he was pitching well. Yeah, and I mean, he again, only, very he small only had, sample size. Uh, four starts in that time, and he was uh, two and one with a two-one-six. Yeah. About so, opponents I mean, hitting 176 against him. So actually, yeah. I'm putting. I, I like this combined curtain call here 
that we <laughs> that we have now uh, structured. But yeah, that that toe injury might prove to be a lot worse than uh, was let on. Yeah. So and again, he probably wasn't moving something, but um, he was moving something. He was moving something. All right. He's <laughs> probably working from home that day. Um, big work from home guy. Big work from home day for him and Carlos Correa this year. Some key injuries to work on when you're working from home. So <laughs> got to be careful there, Blake. Uh, but yeah, no, I like that call though. I'm I'm kind of buying in on that one. All right, uh, as we close the show here, uh, game one of the College World Series final going on as we speak right now. <clears throat> the Michigan Wolverines lead the Vanderbilt Commodore seven three. Uh, Love it. As a Buckeye, hate that. Uh, oh, <laughs> who, who do you who do you like to to win this series? I want to I, I want to say Michigan just because I think it's cool for that school and the program just seeing a team like Michigan in it. Uh, so I, I like rooting for that. So I'll, um, I'll be a Wolverine fan from here on out until they lose. <laughs> until they lose. That's cool. Michigan fans are like that until they lose, too. Every, <laughs> the thir- third Saturday in November every year, they get a oh beat down from Columbus. Jesus. Uh, no, I want to see the Commodores win it. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Michigan win uh, just because, you know, keep it, keep it in the Big Ten. But I, I'm just I'm hoping for good baseball. I love Omaha. So... Uh, hoping for a game three because game one's not looking to go the doors way. Yeah. Um, so that's it for episode seven of Gap to Gap. Uh, seven, why don't you go ahead and sign off? This is, episode, this is your episode, man. Yeah, you're right. This is my episode. All right, for myself, for Tommy, this is Gap to Gap. We'll see you for episode eight. Peace. Later. Pretty in the game, in the city that I claim. Your city is mine. Which one? T-O-R-O-N-T-O-D-R-A-K-E. That's me. You know how the story go. Pull up, range roll. Yo, chick, water roll. And I play myself in the stereo. And I make them wanna shake it, shake it, drop it, drop it, bounce it, bounce it, wrap it, wrap it, girl. Move that thing like you getting money for college. Go, shake it, shake it, drop it, drop it, bounce it, bounce it, wrap it, wrap it, girl. Move that thing like you getting money for college.